Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Renee Sievers with us. She's a moving target because she's always on the, well, usually on the move. Renee, do you want to go ahead and tell us about you and your lifestyle? And Sure, sounds great. So um, I work from home, and currently my home is a converted school bus. It's a, uh, what we call a shorty or a five window. So it's a little bus. And um, I travel and work both from this bus. It has been converted to a fully functioning home. I've lived here for almost two years now and um, maybe two and a half. Prior to that, I lived in a small, tiny house on wheels that I pulled behind my pickup truck. And that was an 87 square foot um, tiny home model. So teeny, teeny, tiny. Now I'm in 96 square feet and I'm able to fit a little small office into this small home. 87 to 96 is not a very big uh, adjustment, but did it feel like a big one to you? It really did. It really did because of two reasons. One, um, you know, it's not a small adjustment, but in proportion, it was a, a, a chunk. And also because when a space is well-designed, then it feels larger. It's much more functional functional, and comfortable to work in when it's designed well. And my previous space really wasn't designed for um, a few different things, including working. Now, this space is more um, adaptable and, again, designed for working and, and living. And so it works a lot better. Yeah. Were you working from the road when you had the tiny house? Yes. Yeah, I was. Um, there wasn't as much like Zoom meetings and things uh, where you're connecting online. Mm -hmm. So um, that's changed a little bit. And that my need for internet, of course, has has changed as time has gone on. This has been six or seven years now that I've been living tiny and, you know, <laughs> everything changes pretty much pretty quickly in, in uh, tech world over that oh yeah time so right well I want to hear all about the tiny living but can you just go ahead and tell us really quick what are you doing from the road what is your industry oh yeah so I host events I host tiny home and nomad living expos and um, I just do two or three events and I say I but it's really my team and I, because, oh my gosh, I couldn't do it without them, you know? So we host um, a couple of events a year called Tiny Fest, and they're a celebration of small living where we're helping other people gain exposure to tiny homes of all different types. The ones that sit in your backyard, um, the ones that are on their own property, on wheels, off wheels, but also nomad living. At each event, we actually have a nomad village where we have folks that come in that are living and working from their homes. And those are often vans, school buses, like my, my own, um, ambulance conversions, box trucks. I mean, it's really interesting and unique what people can create for their lives and how they've created a career that works with their nomad life is really interesting. So um, yeah, it's, it's a fabulous way to show people uh, visually and be able to connect people with folks that can help them with all their different, um, you know, options in life. There's so much out there. There's right. So much out there I have do. interviewed several digital nomads and they are kind of all over the place as far as industries. A lot of them are employees of yeah. bigger corporations. Um, some of them are um, entrepreneurs who are doing more, say like digital marketing type 
jobs. Yeah. What are you finding as far as that world that you've kind of discovered the people who are on wheels? I see a lot of um, people doing the marketing. And I think that goes uh, hand in hand with one, it's a job that you can do remotely, I mm-hmm. feel. Um, also, these are creative types, you know, um, they're, they're looking at things uniquely, differently. And so not only are they applying that to their work, but they're also applying that to their personal life. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then I find a lot of entrepreneurs as well. It's nice to, um, allows you a lot of flexibility and freedom. So it, it's one of those. And even in the digital nomad world, there's, you know, you're talking about the people on wheels and a lot of people I've talked to are the ones who are renting like an Airbnb or Verbo for a month at a time and traveling all around the world. So you're seeing people that are more stateside. Yes. Yep. We see people that are um, doing a lot of traveling in their own home, mm-hmm. you know, since that's our, our, our thing at tiny fest, you know, that they're bringing their homes and showing it off to, to the public and just sharing their experiences. And they're really inspirational and eye-opening. It's great. And then of course we have the professionally built tiny homes and van conversions there. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a good, good exposure for people. So you are working with um, vendors of all sorts, then you're working with the vendors who people are making the, do you have a lot of RVs too? We don't usually highlight RVs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we highlight the unique builds, the custom built options, um, mm-hmm. but the same concept, you know, traveling in an RV or traveling in a, a van or a school bus are really the same, the same concept. And mm-hmm. so a lot of it does apply. And so um, for myself, I'm doing a lot on my computer, um, reaching out to uh, you know, potential exhibitors at the event, my staff, the marketing, you know, as an entrepreneur, it's everything, right? Right. Uh, all those wearing 18 hats kind of things. So um, most things I can do from my computer at home, wherever home may be at the moment. Mm-hmm. And then I do make several trips to the, um, to the venue area so that I'm able to connect with people in person. And of course I got to be there for the event. So I Mm -hmm. show up a little early for that and get to know the community a little bit. And um, so that keeps me moving around. You're coming to my neck of the woods, actually. I'm in the Phoenix area as well. And your event that's coming up is in Scottsdale, Phoenix area, right? Yeah, exactly. So we we call it Phoenix event, but it is technically in Scottsdale at Westworld. Mm -hmm. So very large, um, well-known venue there. And people are coming from from all over. I mean, with the builders are coming themselves, um, coming from 10 or 12 different states. The, oh, wow. the nomads in the village are, I think we're up to about 17 or 18 states that they're traveling, wow. you know, that they're from, that they're, they're coming to this event. And then the attendees will be the same way. They'll come from all over the country, but mostly right there in the Phoenix um, metro area and I, all of Arizona, really, because these events just don't happen every day in every location, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a, uh, when you, when you get one anywhere near you, you travel to it. <laughs> so it's like everyone converges onto one place, kind of, yes. you call it the tiny fest. So it really is more of a festival environment for the people who are living the lifestyle and coming together and hanging out yes. with people of their own type. Exactly. It's really um, like-minded souls really can do a lot for a person being surrounded by them. I mean, I imagine that's why people tune into your podcast because they want to hear and meet other people that are doing life the way they are. Yeah. And um, that's really nice for, for folks to be able to connect. And so, and we try to have a, a very, you know, open 
interesting, you know, invite conversation atmosphere. So we do call it a festival rather than a, um, you know, a, sometimes we'll call it an expo, but I don't want people to think it's like a, you know, boring um I don't want to slam anybody like a boat show, you know, where they're just all lined up and you're yeah. just very stagnant. It's, uh-huh. it's more of um, community and tribe coming together and putting that with the inspiration and information. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that it's a very, a very welcoming environment. I'm and curious, we have fun. <laughs> we do you have, have do you have like actually people like giving demonstrations or teaching about like mm-hmm. lifestyle hacks or something like that? Absolutely. We have two stages. Um, It's a a big thing for us to help, you know, provide information to people. So we have a two stages um, that are going all during the event. Mm -hmm. And so there are folks speaking about things like legalizing tiny homes. Mm -hmm. Um, There's also someone doing a presentation of how to make money on the road, you know, so how to support your, your mobile lifestyle. And so we have quite a variety of, of topics being covered and some are inspirational, some are information, some are mixed together. So we really try and Mm-hmm. help people. Someone's doing a uh, presentation, how to get your way out of the um, time money conundrum, you know, so <laughs> it's really you know, helping people in all aspects of their, um, of their alternative living mm-hmm. life and the goals. When we were talking a few minutes before we started recording, we found out that we grew up in similar areas. I'm from Southeastern Minnesota and you're from Northern Iowa. I'm curious, do you find many people living in the tiny home lifestyle in those colder regions? It's really, it's really funny you mentioned that. Um, I, to answer your question, there aren't quite as many people in the Midwest living tiny, um, not necessarily because of the colder regions, uh, but because housing there is just not as much of an issue. It's, you know, not, not expensive. It's pretty plentiful at a, at a decent price. That's true. Um, uh, also Midwest has a tendency to be very traditional, you know, so they're, they're sticking with their roots there, mm-hmm. um, which is fabulous. But, um, for an alternative person like myself, I felt like a fish out of water sometimes mm-hmm. it's a little more common now. Um, the tiny homes can be very well insulated for people is you want to have it built for your situation. That's one of the great things about a tiny house. So if you're mm-hmm. living somewhere cold, you can definitely have it designed and built to those standards, but it is easier to have it, you know, designed and built, especially something like a bus or a van conversion. Yeah. Those are much better for the warmer client climates, mm-hmm. but you're you in the Portland some- area right now. I'm in Oregon right now. Okay. Yeah, I'm in Oregon. Um, but one little funny thing I was going to share. So I was just looking at the list of folks that are coming to the Nomad Village in Phoenix. And there are three of us from not just central Iowa, but Ames, Iowa. Three of us. So three out of the 50 are from Ames, <laughs> Iowa. And it's also, Ames is also the um, hometown of Jay Schaefer, who was the godfather of tiny house movement, right? The oh. one that really got it out in the news and, you know, got things started. And so it's kind of funny. My friend said there must be something in the, in the water there, you know, <laughs> that, that Ames, Iowa is producing all of these tiny home, uh, you know, folks. Do they know you though? Like, is it you that's maybe bringing them out? No, I mean, I didn't know Jay Schaefer was from Ames until after we had gotten to know each other a little bit. And the same with these other two folks, one I haven't met yet, one I met at another event. And I think, I, I don't know how we got on the topic, but somehow we figured out we were both from Iowa. Oh, that's interesting. And then both from Ames. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that's not a big city. 
No, it's not. It's not a big city. We're all, you know, different ages and lifestyle situations. So it's, it's interesting. I feel like there was a coffee shop that we used to stop at in Ames. It was, um, I had like, I don't think I had a t-shirt, but I liked it. We would always go an extra 10 or 15 minutes out of the way. Um, uh, if I think of it, I'll let you know. I'll okay. There. Coffee shops are great. Don't we all love coffee yes. shops? <laughs> yeah. So, Cause I, great uh, place to work. <laughs> I would commute from the Minnesota, Southeast Minnesota down to Springfield about six times a year. I would go visit family. Um, and I lived in Springfield for a while. I'd go back home okay. and we always had a good, a good stop there. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about Phoenix. When you okay. come, how long will you be here? You know, um, I usually would come to an event, I would be there for, you know, three or four weeks. Um, there were times where I used to travel and stay in the community for like six months, because oh, wow. why not? I can go where I want to, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> this time, we're going to be a little bit shorter, um, just because of uh, need to get back home. I now have a home base and property in Oregon. Um and a new husband. And so life is changing a little bit. Congrats. Thank you. And this is all very new, right? Very new. Been married two weeks now. (laughs) Mrs. Seavers right here. So (laughs) I'm very excited about it. But anyway, it's uh, seasons of life, you know, life changes. And so for the next probably two years, I'll be doing a lot more um, stability, I guess. That's even hard for me to say, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can't spit that word out. Uh, I do have living in my bus, but I'm parked on, you know, 160 acres that we have in Oregon. So it's a very expansive wow. piece of property. And I'm looking out the window and it's beautiful out there. Um, just beautiful. Sometimes a deer will come wandering past and yeah, it's a nice spot. So it had been one of you living in this bus all this time. Yeah. And now are there two people living in this bus? Yes, there are. There are. Uh, I, I met my soulmate. He built small, tiny off-grid cabins. Um, his cabin he was living in was 200 square feet, a uh, little more rustic than mine. Mm. I have, you know, running water and a bathroom and shower, cooking facilities all inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he was in a very rugged situation wow. um, that, that he loved, but he really loves the bus and we work really well together in this tiny little space. Mm-hmm. But he's not doing like in the bus work. Is he doing out of the bus no, work? He goes outside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yep. Most of his work is outdoors or he loves the coffee shops and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, sometimes we work together in here, but he doesn't need a big desk like I do. Right. Or like uh, I like, <laughs> <laughs> I see. So you had been kind of just flitting and floating all around. Were you mm-hmm. ever, um, locating yourself to like one side of the U S or were you literally going East to West? You know, I've really been um, west of the Mississippi. And so I used, I was a home base a lot and I would kind of spoke out from there, but it was a definitely a one-sided spoke, you know, mm-hmm. um, I would travel up to Oregon where I do have um, family and I traveled to California because I had events there and everywhere in between. But it seems I've really concentrated on the West coast for the more, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And the so. tiny fests were all happening west of the Mississippi then too. Yeah, I think they all they all have. We had several in the Midwest and Texas, um, Oregon, California, and now Arizona. It's the first mm-hmm. one there. It's exciting. Do you come back to the same locations every year or are you going to new locations every year? 
Um, I had been doing new locations and I'm finding that going back to the same location, it really does work well for the attendees and it works well for our team as well. Mm. So we're mm -hmm. kind of shifting a little bit to that. We're going to be back in San Diego um, at the Del Mar Fairgrounds for Tiny Fest California for the fourth year in a row. Oh, good. And so it's it's working out well and people are really enjoying being able to come back and to know where they can travel to if they're traveling. So, yeah. So the Phoenix Scottsdale location is December 3rd and 4th. Uh -huh. When is, the, um, when is San Diego? March 11th and 12th. Okay. Yeah. And that's always a great event. So we're really excited. Renee, can you tell us a little bit about what you did before you started this tiny house lifestyle? <laughs> Everything. <laughs> I, I started my career as a photographer. Um, and worked in a couple of different areas, uh, sports photography, photojournalism, and then I had my own studio. So if I really had this entrepreneurship, in, you know, in my blood um, mm -hmm. since quite an early age and why I shifted into all kinds of things. I've managed a small historic hotel in Alaska. Um, I've done oh, wow. also some historic preservation planning work up in Alaska at a different time. Um, and I managed the largest winery in Iowa. That's... Um, not saying, you know, a ton when you compare <laughs> it, but, but yeah, so, uh, usually worked for small businesses, um, of some sort, never really a large corporation kind of gal. I've been a, a recruiter at a small private college mm -hmm. and yeah, each one really added to life experiences and to knowledge and helped me really hone in on the things that I love to do. And which came first, the tiny fests or, I mean, obviously you probably were living tiny when you started the tiny fest, but is that why you started living tiny is because you had this idea to start these tiny fests or. Yeah, good question. The house came first. So, um, I, uh, bought the house back in fall of 2016 okay. and my youngest daughter had gone off to college. My boyfriend at the time had just kind of up and left suddenly one day. And there I was, you know, very empty nester. I had, as you might notice, had always kind of traveled. I had bumped back and forth from uh, Alaska a few times and I had lived in Florida and just, you know, different things. So I'm used to downsizing in order to move, make a big move like that. And mm -hmm. then repopulating the house. And man, it's amazing when you, whatever space you have, you fill it, you know? Yeah. And at one point I had a 3,300 square foot house. And like I said, everybody left. Right. So I'm just, I'm there. I am in this house. Like, why am I in this giant house? That's and, so big compared to what you have now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Terribly, terribly. It was, and you filled it, right? Oh, sure. Yeah. You got to get furniture for every room. Right. So, and it's so easy to just buy stuff. So that's one thing about living tiny. You really pay attention to, you know, just what you need, buying just the right thing, and not a whole bunch of stuff because mm -hmm. you go, where would I put that? You know? Yeah. It's really cute. Yeah. It's, it's uh, not very expensive and it can get rid of, you've got all these little things that are like, oh, but it's only five bucks or, oh, but it's so adorable, whatever. It's not going to mm -hmm. fit either way. So I spend a lot less money and a lot less time in the store. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Which is great. Yeah. Wandering through Target for five hours isn't going to be helpful. <laughs> no. And it was amazing to me. I figured out that I was doing stuff like that. I didn't recognize that I was stopping and meandering through stores and shopping like that um, just to see what they had until I went tiny, kept going into the store and leaving empty handed. And finally, one day I was like, why do I stop 
why do I, why do I even go in here? You know, Mm -hmm. why did I stop? And it was just kind of habit. So, yeah. yeah. So I have a sister and she has lived kind of tiny. They talked about building tiny houses as a industry um, or as a, you know, as a thing, and they haven't really done that. Uh, but there is still on their mind. So they ended up, um, living temporarily for a few years. Like they had a baby there. Um, in, it was like a garage. They were, um, they were living in a house that her husband had refurbished, but there was still an existing like mold problem. And Mm. she was highly, highly sensitive. And so they moved out into, um, uh, it was like a converted um, garage apartment that um, I can't remember if it was like six or 700 square feet, but the people that they were using it, um, renting it from still had some stuff there, like including a big pool table in the middle of like the living space. Um, so they lived like that for a few years. And then um, most recently they moved to Montana and had rented a house for a little while. The landlord sold it out from underneath them. And the new landlords didn't want to continue renting. And so they were, they had like six weeks notice that yeah. they were going to be gone. Um, and so they have converted a shed. They put windows in and a door and um, two lofts. And so yeah. I think it's, it's on the large side of tiny living, but they have five people in there. <laughs> you know, so. that's great. Right. Um, and I always think of tiny living is great, but it's really right sized living. Mm-hmm. What fits for you, for your situation, you know, for your family size, for your, your time in life and your goals, what's the right size. And I think that right size is actually a, often a lot less than the options that are out there. Right. And I feel like right sized helps you take control of your life. Now, for a lot of people, it's, you know, controlling their finances for your um, sister, they're able to control that, that, um, you know, you don't feel like you're a puppet where somebody's pulling the strings and you have to move and Mm -hmm. she has control over her housing. And when she decides to change that it's on her terms. And for her, the, one of the most important features of having control over everything that you put in is that she can control what allergens, you know, Mm -hmm. enter her house. So like, um, with the RV, a lot of that pre-manufactured stuff. Um, I don't know. How do you say it? Is it like fr- formaldehyde? Formaldehyde? Oh, yeah. The glues they That's use. That's a problem. Because the they're a big problem. And so and, she's concerned, yeah. you know, about cancer and the other things. And so having mm-hmm. the control over what kind of paint they use to paint the floor or what kind of, you know. Absolutely. Even, you know, the 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 mattresses that they put into the house, are they going to yes. be, you know, natural enough for her body to handle? Right. Yeah, absolutely. We do see that a lot too in, in the tiny houses. Um, it's an important thing. People are generally very interested in sustainability and natural living, getting rid of all the, the chemicals around them. And you're able to do that. I think in a tiny house much more easily. It would be very difficult to find a full-size house, maybe a large house mm-hmm. that was built to those standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you put some really beautiful materials in too, because you don't have to oh, buy yeah. a lot. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 You can get some really natural things, um, you know, bamboo, alternative things that really are gorgeous and very healthy and sustainable because you're right. You're just buying a small quantity. When you have a bus, do you have a second vehicle that you pull or do you just drive your bus to, to the store? 
I just, I just drive my bus. It is a short one though. I will say, you know, it's uh-huh. uh, like I said, it's uh, the, the shorty or what you might back way back in the olden days, they called it the special bus, you know? So, um, <laughs> so if you picture that, and so I actually have no problem just driving it around and, and I would drive it to town. Um, even when I, sometimes even when I have an extra vehicle, like if I'm home-based in Iowa or right now I'm home-based here on this property in Oregon, sometimes I'll drive it. I do have a pickup and I'll drive that to town, but sometimes I drive the bus, you know, and I, I take, it's really nice because I take everything with me, right? So I can go to the coffee shop and I can sit inside and work if I feel like being in there, but then, Hey, I have a phone call where I need some privacy. Let's go out to the bus mm-hmm. and sit there in the parking lot. <laughs> I have my own Wi-Fi, and so uh, I have my own food. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice thing. I can grab something to eat and not feel like, oh, I have to go buy something from what they're offering at this location in order to stay here and work longer. You know, it's always that mm-hmm. thing, right? Where you where you go and work at a coffee shop. It's nice to be surrounded by other people and feel the liveliness and connection, but also you you feel like you have to pay to be there. Right. Yeah. Like every hour you should probably be making a purchase or something like that. I'm assuming it also sparks conversations when you jump out of your bus. People are like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I do. It does. I mean, I do have a lot of conversations um, and people are very interested. And even, even if it's not for them, a lot of Mm -hmm. people are interested to, you know, to have the conversation. I find most people are very supportive. Online, you know, you're going to get people in their, their anonymity, I guess is the right word that, that are going to kind of slam things or make comments, you know, how that, mm-hmm. that goes, but that's, that's online these days. When you talk to people in person, I feel they're, they're very supportive and happy. And if not, they just walk away, which is fine. Cause there's a different lifestyle for each of us out there. And I'm, I'm okay with that. So in 96 square feet. Yes. What amenities do you have and which amenities do you not have? Um, okay. So I have a very small desk that I built in and designed to be able to use. Um, however, I will say I don't use it very much. I don't sit there very often because it's like kind of closed in, you know, Mm -hmm. I learned that these walls here and this wall. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you know, it stores all my office stuff. I have a closet and a refrigerator. Um, I have a bed that turns into a couch, I'm kind of going around the space in my Mm -hmm. mind. (laughs) Is that what is behind you for those that are watching the video? Yep. That's the couch that, that turns into a bed. Mm -hmm. And then to my right, I have a two burner stove and, um, and a heater and to my left and I can touch them. Here's, I'm Mm -hmm. just reaching like, here's my (laughs) stove and here's my sink. So Mm -hmm. it's nice. Everything's close and comfy. Um, but I, I have a sink and running water. I also have a bathroom that has a shower. So I really feel like I have those amenities. What I don't have, um, in the kitchen, I suppose I don't have an oven. Mm. So, um, but I, you know, I found ways to cook things that you might cook in an oven. And then otherwise I don't use an oven much. And I don't have a microwave, but I haven't had a microwave for years. You know, I don't, mm-hmm. I eat pretty healthy and usually that doesn't include microwave cooking. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so that, that feels very comfortable. And the space is very flexible. Um, right now I, I have what would be normally my kitchen counter and I've got that set up. It's a nice wide space set up with my desk in front of this big picture window and I can raise it up so that it's a standing height or I oh, can wow. lower it down. Yeah. It's really, it's really nice when you build in flexibility you don't mm-hmm. need a lot of space so 
so when you're not cooking in an oven and you found some ways to make things, are you using like a crock pot or like a turkey roaster oven or um, no, I yeah, no, that I don't use any of those. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> Everybody seems to have one of those. Um, I do run off solar power. Okay. And so I'm conscious of that electricity pull. Um, so I do most everything on the two burner stove, including um, I have something that is like uh it's hard to describe it. it. It kind of is like a convection, works like a convection oven would. It's um, it's kind of shaped like a bunt pan. And so the propane heat comes up and goes out and spreads. So it heats the top and the bottom in this little, you know, it's like just this big. So I can make things like cookies. I can bake like cookies and, you know, those packages of cinnamon rolls if I want to do that, which uh-huh. are homemade <laughs> ones, but I'm not that ambitious. Um, I'll make calzones in there, but everything does end up being, you know, round like a bunt cake mm-hmm. so my my calzones are nice crescent shaped calzones yeah which they're they're beautiful and tasty that way so um yeah that's how I how I do that but uh, I don't have a lot of kitchen gadgets I just keep things simple and the food you know simple and eat a lot of raw food because that's my style mm-hmm. my husband does cook more um mm-hmm. but we do everything with you know I have two two pans and one pot and okay Everything works really well in, in those. We we create some fabulous food. Yeah. So you're on 160 acres. Is it all wooded? Yes, for the most part. Yes. And then yeah. are you still situated near his rustic cabin? Was that on that property or was that somewhere else? That's uh that's a couple hours away. And he actually has um three of them. <laughs> so so we're about two hours from each one. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we can, we still have a little getaway if we want to go over to the coast or to the high desert. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're kind of right in the middle with this property in the bus. But uh, it's interesting when we, when we were, before we bought the property, we had the bark, the bus parked in front of one of his cabins and we just stayed in the bus the whole time. It's just, it's so comfortable, you know, even though his space was larger, mm-hmm. um, though it did have a wood stove, which that's very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, but otherwise we just stay, stayed in the bus. So if you make your space your own, it's, it doesn't need to be big. My sister um, that lives up in Montana, they bought like an Amish wood stove and mm-hmm. they have electricity, but they, you know, in the event that they would someday need to pull it somewhere else, yeah. like they're, they're yeah. using someone's property right now. If they wanted to, you know, go off grid they could like they could Mm -hmm. use it for heating water and everything yeah more power to them but (laughs) yeah Yeah. that's a different going off grid is a completely different lifestyle isn't it it is and and you you know you either adapt to it really well or you say this is not for me right it's nice to try things out I'm totally off grid I have a water tank that I fill up Um, I have propane for heat and for cooking and Mm -hmm. I have solar for electricity Oh, wow. So I don't actually have a way to plug in, oh, really? um, which was kind of, you know, I, I recommend having in that option can't hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, everything is flexible and portable and, and it works for me, but I know that some people would, would not work for them. It's, it's just nice to test things out mm-hmm. um, as much as you can and see what's the best option for you. So, what made it so that you can't plug in is that something because it's the bus is older or is it just like something that when you were furnishing it was it pre-furnished for you or did you convert it it started as a shell and was built you know for me I helped a little bit but mostly you know the build was done by someone else um and I just I don't have that skill set and I a lot of people learn it and they build something themselves 
But mm-hmm. what I say is, I know my skills and I know myself. <laughs> And that's not going to be my thing. I don't want my home to look like an eighth grade shop project. Mm -hmm. And I know that if I built it, it probably would. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So anyway, yeah, it was just the way that it was designed and built. Um, And when the electrical was done, you know, how that was configured. Uh, But certainly anyone can, uh, if they're planning ahead Mm -hmm. and leaving all their options open, they can leave an option to uh, plug into a standard household plug or sign in with a, a camper, you know, just depending on the amperage that you're. Mm-hmm. that you're pulling and what what you're utilizing if somebody wants an air conditioner it's going to be more you know if they're uh, heating with a wood stove it's different so just mm-hmm. really think about all your options and design design your life the way it works best for you do you have solar panels on the roof then mm-hmm. yeah yep why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about how this is going to look for you going forward because I know that you've been moving around a whole bunch and you're talking yeah. about being able to adjust to different situations. How are you adjusting to being in a home base? Yeah. And what that's going to look like. Right. Um, really with the way life is at the moment, uh, the goal is to spend as much time here on the property as possible for the next two years. Okay. And, um, so yeah, it's a bit different for me staying in one place. Um, but I do love it where I'm at, right? If I didn't, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be here. So mm-hmm. just making those good decisions and always being positive about what you have. Um, I'm finding that, you know, there are nice little spots that I like to go work sometimes. I like to change things up. So for me, the same thing every day gets a little old. Plus I'm a people person mm-hmm. and working from home. That's a challenge for a lot of people. When you work from home and you, you know, I, you obviously you live at home, you're there by yourself or with your immediate family, maybe 24 seven. It's like, nah, I got to get out world. So um, it's nice finding those little local spots that I feel comfortable and, you know, seeing the familiar faces is nice as well. You walk in the coffee shop and you say hi or the, wherever you're at, I keep saying coffee shop because it's such a common yeah. <laughs> thing. And up here in the Pacific Northwest, especially it's, of course it's common. Um, But yeah, kind of recognizing faces is nice when you travel constantly and you realize none of these people know me at all. And it's not like the, the, you know, the, the clerk at the grocery store actually knows you well, but to recognize them, to say hello. And sometimes they, they do recognize that you've been in before. There's a nice feeling to that. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's been that's been a nice change. I'm getting a little bit more, um, shifting the internet service a bit. I'm getting fiber optic, which right (laughs) out of this rural spot. So I feel very, you know, plush about that. It's like, Ooh, fancy fiber optic. I don't get that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I've been dealing with you know, the, the issues of traveling Wi-Fi, which are improving constantly. Mm -hmm. Um, and the price is definitely coming down. I know some folks that have gone from their system, which was costing them hundreds of dollars a month to say the Starlink or some other similar services, Mm -hmm. which I'm going to be testing one out. It just arrived today. I'm going to be testing out a new one. Um, And so I'm excited to, to see those options are, are, like I said, becoming more plentiful and less costly. So that makes traveling easier. Um, and I need a good option until my fiber optic is here. And I think it's January that it's going to be fully set up. I don't even have that in a metro area. 
Right. I mean, it exists in my area, but not where I live. Yeah. Well, we had the line extended a little bit to get here, but it was, it was a reasonable cost, I think. Right. And so why not? So, yep. And yeah, just being in the same spot every day, you know, you have, there's pluses and minuses. And so I just choose to look at those pluses and get yeah. out as much as I can <laughs> get that itch. What are some of the things that you had when you were moving around that you don't have when you're in one place and vice versa? Yeah. Moving around, I think you really get to, um, there, there's that experience of new, right? A new place, the excitement of discovery and finding, um, finding where you're going to park and where you're going to shop and where you're going to hike and new restaurants, you know? So there's that kind of um, aspect that's, it's kind of like a, a new love, you know, when you, you meet someone. And so um, that's always fun and exciting to discover new things and so, and I like meeting new people as well. So there's a lot of good things there that, you know, the downside of that is you're always trying to figure out where to work and where to park and where to shop and where to eat, you know, like <laughs> it's a trial. Everything's there's a, a trial. lot of time invested into that just regular daily life stuff. Right. So, you know, going back to that coffee shop scenario, you think, okay, I'm going to go find a coffee shop with some good internet. I love the local places and get the vibe, but you go to one, Oh, we don't have internet or mm-hmm. their internet is poor or they don't have a great place to sit and work or it's very loud or, you know, you really have to like work through all those, go check it out in person to really get the mm-hmm. vibe of the place. So um, here where I'm parked now, I have a couple of good spots that I like and, and, totally enjoy and feel very comfortable going to and I don't it's it's not a you know a guessing game and it's not like I wonder if I don't have to worry about where I'm going to park each night you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have to do all all that scouting around and that kind of thing so um yeah they say familiarity breeds content and I'm just trying to keep that balance of hey um yes I am content in my travels anyway but you know that balance of feeling comfortable and content but also exploring options keeping my um keeping my eyes open for new opportunities and ways to connect with new people so I suppose when you were doing the six week or even six month stints when you were Mm -hmm. going to you know from here to there um for your different tiny vests um you had kind of the opportunity to have the best of both worlds you have a new place but then you'd have to like learn the ropes right yep exactly and I did always kind of have that that balance in that um, I would stick somewhere for a little while and you know take some smaller trips in between um, which is great so you kind of for me it was the best of both worlds I realize now that when you come down here to the Phoenix area that your husband is not going to have his home so is he coming with you or is he going to be staying somewhere temporarily to keep working (laughs) up there he is, he is coming with me. And that's funny because even here in town, ta- you know, when we're here, um, we're outside of town. So I'll say, I'm going into town. I'm going to take the bus. Um, do you need anything out of the house? You know, <laughs> and I, I know one day I was gone for quite a long time with the bus like mm-hmm. all day long. And I called him. I said, I left you homeless, didn't I? You know, I feel like what if you needed to grab something out of the house and it wasn't there. Oh. <laughs> so no, but, he, he's coming with. But you said you do have a truck. So you could take the truck sometimes, or he could take the truck if he needed something. How far out are you from town? 
Well, it's only like 10 or 12 miles, but it, some of it's kind of slow going. So mm-hmm. um, it, it takes about 20 or 25 minutes. Okay. Um, and we do have other vehicles here since we're home based here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll take the bus for particular reasons. The last one was I needed to go get a new um, license. I need to get a new uh, title. Okay. And you have to have the vehicle, vehicle present, with so you. Yeah. So there's little things. Sometimes it's just convenient to take it with. I have all of my stuff. I'm mm-hmm. not packing up like a pack mule, everything. And like I said, I've got my kitchen here. So if I get hungry, I can eat what I like to eat at normal prices and not always mm-hmm. paying to eat out. <laughs> so it's convenient. I don't and have to worry you... about packing for a trip either. Oh, right. You know? I don't right. have to pack a suitcase. All of my options are with me. <laughs> Do you have to like stabilize things before you move things around? Um, I have them pretty well stabilized at all times because I move more often. Mm-hmm. I've had friends that don't move as often and they, they've kind of set up their home depending on how often they move it. You know, mm-hmm. if there's someone that moves it like once a month, you can, they'll say, oh yeah, it only takes me like 15 minutes to pack in the things, you know, the, those loose things you put in the sink, right? Mm-hmm. Um, oh. If they move things a lot more. Velcro is your best friend. Oh, really? <laughs> if they don't use move more often, yeah, you'd be surprised at the potted plants on the counter. Everything's stuck oh, in with Velcro. Velcro. That's yeah, awesome. Jars and yeah. So if they don't move very often, they don't have that need, it's not a big deal, then it does take a little longer to pack up. So and then yeah. you mentioned that you you are planning on staying at this home base for two years. Mm-hmm. Have you discussed what you're hoping to do in the future? You know, we are both a very keep your options open uh, couple. So, you know, we've discussed the possibility of staying here, building on the property, maybe a a small space. Kind of funny, there is a foundation from a home here. The home has Hmm. been gone for eons, like decades. The foundation is very solid. And so uh, we measured it and I said, that'd be like a 700 square foot house. What would we do with that? You know, Mm And in reality, we would probably build um, larger because at some point in time, someone else is going to want this property and mm-hmm. 700 square feet is probably too small for most people. You can people. build up, right? Right, right. Yeah. So I feel like, whoa, we'd get lost in that that space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we've both been living extremely small for quite a long time. So um, yeah, like, like, like I said, we, we've tossed around the idea of staying here, you know, having some Airbnbs, having spots where people can come park. I have right. lots of friends that are nomads and we've got great parking spots for them. There's electricity and water on the property. We're not using it. We're, you know, we're still living off grid, but it's accessible. So for someone wants to, mm-hmm. um, and we could go travel and you know, even if there's a house here, we could rent it out or yeah. we could end up selling it. It's options are wide open and we talk about all of them. <laughs> That's what my sister and her husband have talked about doing is kind of building. And I know that locals don't always like to hear of, you know, outsiders yeah. coming in and building like, um, you know, rentals, but yeah. you know, that sort of thing where you could build like a, a pot of, you know, eight or 10 little tiny homes that you could rent out like Airbnb yeah. style. Right. And the, and the hard thing with that is the, the current, you know, zoning and, and construction laws. That's one of the hard things about tiny houses um, is that there's a lot of hoops to jump through the, to make them legal or some places mm-hmm. they're, they're not an option to be legal at this mm-hmm. time, unless some zoning regulations change. It's, it's a puzzle. And that's one of the things with tiny fest, we really like to help people figure out because right. Nobody wants to create this dream and then have it taken away from them, mm-hmm. right? We don't want to see people do that. So. I'm assuming some states 
or just even cities are probably more easy to work with. Yeah, absolutely. Montana I mean, so, sounds like people don't really care a whole lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, rural Iowa, I was pretty good too. You know, the, really? the, uh, the building code and, and zoning regulations were pretty lax in the more rural places, but there are, um, you know, there, there are always municipalities that are easier to work with than others. And it is a local municipality thing. There are some statewide regulations on housing, of course, um, but each city, if you're not within city limits, it's your county um, mm -hmm. has regulations um, and so you have to deal with that particular municipality mm -hmm. to, to figure out what you can and can't do. Um, and then, you know, is it easier when it's a vehicle? No, it's harder. Really? Why? Um, well, so building codes are in place for health and safety reasons. So the, uh, the basics behind that is, you know, the, the city or county or state or whoever is in charge of that district, you know, does not want people living in an unsafe environment. Um, and so they have all these codes and regulations. And those codes are not matching up with uh, the design and build of a vehicle, you know, they're, they're traditional stick built. So it's, it's tough. A lot of times a vehicle is considered, if it's considered an RV, it's a temporary living solution in mm -hmm. the eyes of the, um, I say the government, you know, the local rule makers, so to speak. So um, that temporary living solution, they don't want you living permanently okay. in, that, in that home. It's, it's tough because, you know, I feel it's very safe here. I have large fire exits. I don't have far to go to get out the door, you know, a few steps right? and, I'm, and I'm out in a way. Um, but yeah, it, they're designed in place theoretically for, for health and safety. It's a good thing that they're there. You know, you wouldn't want to build a, you wouldn't want to buy a house and come to find out later that it really was kind of a fire trap or, mm -hmm. um, you know, rent a house. Like the rental regulations are there for a reason too. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they're up, upholding the standards of you shouldn't have to um, deal with faulty wiring. You shouldn't have to try and heat your house with the heat of the oven. Or, or, you know, when people's oh, heat wow. comes out, they like turn on the oven and open the door. They put up um, those little temporary space heaters, mm -hmm. you know, trying to heat that space because their heater doesn't work. And that mm -hmm. happens a lot in, in lower um, income units, you know, where you're mm -hmm. trying to be on a budget and the landlord doesn't care kind of thing. Right. Yeah. So those are very hazardous situations. The space heaters catch fire way more often than, you know, mm -hmm. standard heating or certain other types of, of um, localized heating. So it, it's, um, you know, it's a catch 22 that we're in, but I do wish there were more options. And we work on that in our, our industry all the time, working on more options for alternative living because there's a housing crisis, right? All over the country and especially in larger cities. Right. And so why not incorporate as many safe solutions as possible to address different people's needs um, at, at different stages of their lives at different income levels. And we do have a lot of folks that are coming into tiny lifestyle. Um, the money isn't the big concern for them. Mm -hmm. some, of them some of them it is, you know, but uh, some just want to live small. They want to live healthy. They want to live sustainable. They want that freedom uh, in their life. And so let's give them the options that we can, you know, so when you were pulling your tiny home with the truck, yeah. 
Yes. I'm assuming that the regulations for that were different than your current situation with the, with the bus. Yeah. Uh, which one was harder as far as like the legal side? Um, <clears throat> neither one. Cause I, I mean, it, it, there really, really wasn't a difference because okay. like I said, in, in rural Iowa, I was fine, you know, living in my, my tiny house there and the places that I pulled it to people didn't really care. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they may, may have not been hundred um, percent legal to be living in that situation. However, the um, municipalities, they're a mm, reactive uh, situation. So they're, they're not out there, like the building code inspectors, they're not out wandering around the neighborhoods looking for somebody that might be doing something that's against the rules. Mm. But if, if someone brings it to their attention, they do have a legal obligation to follow up. Okay. And so, you know, you might have, um, if you, you try to be very nice to your neighbors, because if one of them gets a little mad, they could turn you in and you'd have to go. Uh-huh. The other thing that happens sometimes is people, um, they really want to do the same thing you're doing. So they go to the city and they, they say, oh, you can't, you can't have that situation that's uh, considered an RV or you can't have this ADU, accessory dwelling unit. Mm. ADU is a common term, it's a backyard cottage. Mm-hmm. You can't have that in your neighborhood. And they say, well, my friend down the street does, and oh. <laughs> he's had it for a year and a half. How come I can't, right? Uh-huh. They're not meaning to rat you out, but they yeah. just did. Now the city knows, or now the county knows, and they are legally responsible to follow up. So, um, you know, I've never I've never had um, a situation like that. Now I just said that, and I have had one. Yeah. I have oh, really? The, the news did a story about this community that was living, you know, kind of... Um, off the grid and out of eyesight and um, the news did a story. And then of course the city had to send a letter and people had to move out. And Mm. yeah. So I did have that situation once. It was not, it was not fun. Oh no. What made you decide to go to a bus? Um, it's, it's easier to move around. I think maneuver, I wanted a larger space and I love being able to um, just pop from the driver's seat to the back of the bus. Right. Okay. So a couple of things driving along, you need to use the restroom, uh-huh. pull over, pop back, you know, no problem. We don't get out. Yeah. You know, get out in traffic. Same thing. If you want a snack or you want something to drink, you just pull mm-hmm. over anywhere you don't have um, to like exit the vehicle and then yeah, enter around uh-huh. yeah yeah and pull out the stairs because the tiny house was higher and, oh. you know, that kind of thing. so another big thing was um it feels very safe you know I am not pulling into a situation getting out of the vehicle again announcing here's a obviously a single woman as I was traveling because oh. I I would walk out myself no one was there with me mm-hmm. um here's a single woman in this situation I'll pull in somewhere I don't you know I don't mind most places. They don't bother me. Truck stops. I feel very safe on um, mm-hmm. rest areas and also out in the middle of nowhere. I've mm-hmm. just felt safe. I can pull up, pop the shades to my windows and step in the back. If I don't want to go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, usually I arrive somewhere in the evening uh, before it gets dark. So I can very well see my surroundings and I'll, you know, oftentimes just cozy up in, in the house in the evening, in the morning when it's nice, bright daylight, and I'm um, going to be leaving after a while anyway. I'll get out and walk and hike and check out the surroundings. And, mm-hmm. you know, then, like I said, then I'm going to be leaving soon anyway. So it feels very safe for a single female traveler. And there mm-hmm. are a lot of us out there. Really? A lot of single female travelers. It's, um, it's amazing. 
they love it and it works for a lot of people and now now you're not anymore so does that change the dynamic (laughs) you know it does um it definitely it definitely does uh he likes to drive and I'm fine with that because then I can work you know, I can oh, sit in the passenger yeah. seat with my computer on my lap and get some work done. Nice. Um, you know, you can do a lot of, it's easy to do a lot of the social media responding to things. Certain things are just really easy to do uh, on a phone or just sitting there on the laptop um, getting work done. So that, that kind of helps a little bit. And it's, you know, it's nice to be treated. I'll drive sometimes, but a lot of times he does. And so I was like, this is great. I get more done while traveling so that when I get somewhere, I can get out and do stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise I'm driving all day. And then it's like, oh my gosh, I've, you know, I, I've missed a half a day or a full day of work because right. of this, this amount of traveling that I did. So then I'd end up working and like, wait a minute, I want to get outside and explore. So this, this helps with that. Do you ever fly? Um, I do sometimes now the price of gas has gone up a lot. And it does take time. You know, if I'm driving from Iowa to Oregon to back and forth between family that that trip is several days mm-hmm. you know, in the bus and <clears throat> I've done it enough times where I've just gone from one to the other and not enjoyed the beautiful surroundings then I'm like why would I do that you know it's where mm-hmm. tear on the bus the cost of gas is amazing um so if it's a time where I have extra time to travel and I can see the great things that are out there as I'm traveling um then I'll go ahead and and do the the bus, but I've started now just this last year or so taking a flight here and there to, to be able to, when I get to my destination, have more time to spend with the people that are there. And that's, yeah. So when I'm wrapping up, I usually ask the same question of everyone and it's going to have to be a little bit adjusted for you because you're in a different situation. But when people are starting to think about working from home for the first time, Mm -hmm. in your case, maybe thinking about working from the road, for the first time, do you have any advice for someone who's giving it a, you know, first time thought? Yeah. Well, I think really knowing yourself and how you work best um, is very helpful. So you can kind of set up, are you the type of person that really needs those parameters where you have to shut off the, Hey, I'm not, I'm not doing other stuff during these certain hours. Um, Do you need that regularity? I've I think that you almost have to try it a little bit and try different things before you actually really, really know that. Cause you, you know, I think, Oh, I'm going to be focused and, da, da, da. and then somebody calls you during the middle of the day and you're like, Oh, I can just work later. You know, I can get that done this evening. I'm not doing anything. And sometimes that works well for people and sometimes it doesn't. So mm-hmm. you have to just kind of test some different things out, be gracious with yourself and be honest with what works well for you and what doesn't. And um, yeah, I, I have a hard time turning down all the things that are fun to do, but also that, that folks might um, need or want from me. For, for instance, family-wise, you know, if one of my kids says, oh, mom, you know, can you do this for me? I have to work today during the day and I can't get to this location where I need to pick up something during a daytime hours. Well, they know I'm flexible, you know, or the babysitter, uh, you know, is sick. Can you watch one of the kids? And they know I have flexibility. So it's tough when you have flexibility folks ask you to do things, whether it be family or friends, that they don't ask their friends that are nine to fivers because they know they can't. Mm-hmm. And so they're not trying to be rude or take advantage. But so then I have to balance, you know, really being able to be helpful and be supportive and also make sure that I get my stuff done and that it's not 
affecting my life too much. So, um, you know, you want to be a giving person, but you do have to, to protect your, your time and space. And the same with like messages, you know how they say, turn off everything that you can, uh, and really focus on what you're doing. So, um, it's just being flexible and trying different things and then, and then honing in on that. And then sometimes you have to watch out because once you get to do the same thing over and over, sometimes it gets a little stagnant and, uh, just like organizing for myself. I have these ways where I organize my to-do list, you know, and I get all set with that way. After a while, it's like, eh, you know, you can put that sign up that reminds you of something right on the mirror. You just put that sign right there where you see it every morning. Three weeks later, you don't even notice that sign is there. Yep. (laughs) You're blind to it. Yeah. Yeah. You're blind to it. So it's sometimes changing things is actually, uh, you know, a good way to stay fresh and on top of it just um, trying to remain flexible and positive about, you know, the options, checking out all those options and trying them out and seeing what works for you and knowing that that's probably going to change. You know, things changed, uh, change for me when I'm somewhere for a long time, uh, when I'm somewhere for a short time, it changes for me when, you know, when my girls had their, their babies, that meant definitely more time for family, you know, push work aside, right? People are more important to me than, you know, than, than work. Luckily, I love my work and I feel like it's for people. So there's, <laughs> I'm able to balance that. Otherwise it would be a challenge. Um, but yeah, the, the times in your life, the seasons, the changes, and just kind of rolling with them, adjusting with them and knowing that that's okay. You know, if you're finding like, oh, I'm not as focused as I used to be and just things aren't, I'm not getting stuff done and that's okay. It's not, you're, you know, you don't have a problem. You just need to, you know, find the positives and really accentuate those like, okay, I'm not focused as much, but what can I do? Or what's the benefit, you know, that that's balancing that what's the other, what's on the other end of the spectrum? What can I do to change it? And, and knowing that's okay. You don't have to stick with one thing and be, be, you know, ultra amazing, focused and motivated at all times. It's not going to happen. You can keep it fresh and, and, and working for you. Yeah. Rolling with the seasons, right. And enjoying, yeah. like you were saying, looking for the positives of each type of, you know, season that you're in or situation mm-hmm. that you're in making the most of it. Yeah. Uh, you know, the last few weeks for me personally have been a little bit up and down. We, we had COVID for the first time Yeah, and we just came off of having strep throat and then COVID <laughs> and, and then there's, um, we're in Arizona and we were pretty big in the news for the political things that were happening. And, you know, it all just seemed like it happened at once. And I was not my most productive, uh, yeah. but I feel like, you know, you can recognize that and then swing out of it and let's say, okay, let's get back to what was working before. <laughs> yes. And, you know, a couple of things that can, can help is, um, you know, like I said, looking at it positively, you, you could look at it and say, well, thank goodness I have this flexible lifestyle. Right. 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 Because that allows me to, you know, you're going to go through this being sick, whether you have a flexible lifestyle or not. So that was right. great. Um, another thing that I do sometimes when I'm feeling maybe a little negative about my situation is I, I think, well, I always could go back to working for someone else, nine to five kind of thing, <laughs> if right. that's going to be better. And as soon as you start thinking about the realities of that, it's like, Nope. I'll handle this situation. I'll Mm -hmm. deal with whatever that stress might be, or that situation or that little challenge. That's probably a little challenge. If you admit it, it's probably Mm -hmm. a little, you know, you, you think about, you have options. You're not stuck working from home if it's not working for you. So, 
go back to the office. And then you go, oh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there's somewhere in between I want to be, you know, right. maybe there's, maybe I'm fine at home and I just need to get out more in my social life or whatever, you yeah. know, the situation might be. So sometimes thinking about the opposite makes you go, hmm, I'm, I'm grateful for what I have. Yeah. Or it makes you think about a different solution and there's mm-hmm. lots of solutions out there mm-hmm. there's a hundred different ways to work from home I've learned uh yes. just from interviewing a hundred different people Everyone's I feel like different. I have what each week something different you know yeah <laughs> so Renee how can people find you and tiny fest yeah so um tiny fest which is you know just like it sounds that word tiny and fest for festival tiny fest events um is on Facebook as such Instagram as such. And the website is actually tinyfest.events. It's not okay. a .com. So it's really easy to find us everywhere and you'll see our schedule of where we're going to be. And um, hopefully the social media will bring some inspiring you know, images and people into your life. Do you need to buy tickets or reserve a spot to attend or just show up? You can do both of those. So we do have tickets for sale um, online. You can also just show up at the gate and um, get your ticket right then and there. So uh, flexibility. If you haven't heard that from me yet, there's another mm-hmm. one. Flexibility. <laughs> Whatever works for you. Well, it would be lovely to get to meet you in person and um, see the all the different alternative lifestyle options out there. When you said box truck, I was just like, what? I didn't know yes. think about building a house in a box truck. Yeah, really nice um, space. You know, you have a nice, a nice space. Sometimes the tiny houses are very narrow because mm-hmm. they're designed to go down the road. And it's amazing how adding just a little bit of width can um, change the, the design and feel. So box truck is good at that. So wow. it was a bus. Yeah. Any final thoughts before we head out, Renee? You know, I, I don't think so. I just think, you know, people keep looking at their options and keep rolling with it, whether that's rolling down the road or just rolling in your mind through all the great things that that life can can offer and grab them grab those opportunities and make them yours well thank you so much renee and thank you to your uh lydia who helped uh connect us because um just a plug to my listeners if you want to be a guest on the show you can reach out to me and we'll get you on as soon as possible all right thank you renee this has been april malone with renee sievers And yes, I work from home and we will see you next time. Bye.